Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. So today we are in the fourth and final week of our sermon series called uh, Why Jesus? And in an attempt to try to help all of you answer this important and life-transforming question for yourselves, what I've been doing is sharing with you some of the main reasons for why I follow Jesus. With the ultimate hope being that as I share my whys, you're going to begin to discover some of your own. But the thing I want you to notice about the whys that I've given you all up to this point is that so far what I've shared with you have not been some kind of rational argument where I've tried to walk you through something step by step to prove my beliefs beyond a shadow of a doubt. But instead what I have shared with you are my experiences. In that week when I shared with you how as a teenager reading scripture, Jesus revealed to me a God that I wanted to follow. We too, I shared the main reason why I follow is because Jesus loves me, right? Good times, bad times, doesn't matter who I am, what I've done, Jesus loves me, which still blows me away. And then last week I shared how, even though I really can't explain it, for as far back as I can remember, I have experienced God with me, right? There's this presence, this life, this energy that always seems to be there, guiding and directing if I will just listen. So now, now that I've shared with you uh, my three main experiential wise, these are my foundational pieces. This is what I'm going to tell you if you ask me. Today, what I would like to do to, to close out this series in a way that's going to make your brain hurt is to get into a couple of the logical and scientific observations that I believe support my experience. Because as I hinted at last week, and we talked a little bit about it last week, even though I don't think there's a logical or scientific argument out there that can prove what we believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, and I've spent a ton of time on this, I do think logic and science can be used to point beyond themselves to the existence of God that we encounter in Christ every single day, or or the world just makes more sense if there is a God, if Christ, who he says he is. So... Over the years of being a philosophical and theological nerd, um, or a minister who loves to read and wrestle with all that stuff that, that most of you don't get real excited about, one of the logical conundrums that I have come across, which points beyond itself, I believe, is what happens to ethics, meaning, and purpose if there is no God. And... This is where you're going to put your thinking caps on. You guys remember in third grade, you had to put your thinking caps on. So I'm going to need you to do that. Everybody grab your thinking cap, stick it on your head because we're going to get a little hairy here. All right. Starting with ethics. For many people who haven't spent much time thinking about this topic, an assumption they hold is that whether God exists or not, there are certain things that are right and other things that are wrong. Or murder is wrong, rape is wrong, adultery is wrong, whether God exists or not. But what happens to that assumption as you start to dig in a bit is you will see that all of that falls apart if there is no God. Because in a world where God exists, God is the one who sets the rules or God is the one who decides what's right and wrong. So if it says murder, rape, and adultery are wrong, if God says that, then those things are wrong. doesn't matter how many people disagree, right? 
But then what happens when you begin to imagine a world where God doesn't exist and how that affects ethics, what you'll discover very, very quickly that you've probably never noticed before is that if God doesn't exist, there's no lawmaker. And if there's no lawmaker, there is no law. And if there is no law, there is no right or wrong apart from human opinion. Let that sink in for a moment. Or to make that logic a bit more practical, let's take murder as an example. So in a world where God exists, God says that it's wrong, then that means murder is wrong. And for us, the Ten Commandments clearly say, thou shalt not kill, right? So murder is wrong. But in a world where God doesn't exist, you have no lawgiver. And if you have no lawgiver, you have no law apart from human opinion. So to say that murder is wrong, if there is no God, even if you've got great reasons and a whole lot of people agree with you, if there really is no God, you're just giving your opinion. See that there? Your brain's hurting yet? Not quite? Okay, let's keep pushing. They will in just a second. Now, in sticking with that kind of logic, let's move beyond ethics to purpose and meaning. So similar to what we just talked about, when it comes to purpose and meaning, if God exists, God is the one who created all of this with a purpose and a meaning. Or God is the one who sets and decides the purpose and meaning for all things. To make it biblical, God's purpose for the world as described in the Lord's Prayer, right, is to cause his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what that means for you and I is a big part of our purpose and meaning is, first of all, entering into a relationship with Christ. That's where it all begins. But then joining God in the work of causing his kingdom to come or bringing heaven to earth. That's the purpose and meaning that God gives us. But what happens when you take God out of the equation is that if there is no God, there is no creator and designer. And if there's no designer, there's no design or all of this just happened by chance. And if all of this just happened by chance, then just like with ethics, there is no purpose or meaning apart from human opinion. Theological nerdland is awesome. No? You guys don't agree? Isn't that amazing? All right. To make this practical, let's say you run across some strange person who is convinced that the meaning of life is to pick their nose. It's okay to laugh, and I know that's strange, but let me show you what's going on here. Now, in a world where God exists, God is the one who designs the purpose and meaning. So if you ever come across someone who claims something as silly as this, your simple response can be, you're ridiculous. That's not the purpose and meaning for this world. God is the one who sets that. You're not the one who sets that. But in a world where God doesn't exist, to argue that they are wrong is just your opinion and your interpretation. Because again, no God, no purpose or meaning. Isn't that cool? Now, the last thing I want to share with you guys this morning is the one piece of evidence that I keep coming back to over and over again, which I've talked about a couple of times before, because it really, really puts into perspective for me that there has to be some kind of brilliant mind or God behind all of this. There has to be. It just it makes more sense. So what scientists have been uncovering for about the last hundred years or so is that that the basis of all life is founded on just four simple proteins, right? Adenine, cytosine, guanine, and thymine that when put together in precise ways make up what? DNA, right? And one of the ways to make sense of DNA is that at the basis of all life, there is a very simple four-letter alphabet, a four-letter code, A-G-T-C, 
that contains within it all the information that has ever been needed to create the complexity and wonder of all that lives. Now, the way to get your brain around how this genetic alphabet works, what you need to do is think about our alphabet and how our alphabet is really nothing more than a collection of symbols that represent sounds that, when put together in precise ways, create words, right? For instance, the symbols O, D, and G, when put together in a particular order, they create the word dog or they create the word God. And then when you start adding words to other words, you get sentences like God created dogs. And then from these sentences, you can add even more sentences to create paragraphs and from paragraphs, chapters, and from chapters, books. And what's contained in those books is the endless amount of information that we have collected as a human race. Or from our 26-letter alphabet, you get the creation of a language that has the ability to bring about an infinite amount of words and sentences and meaning, which is the tool we use to make sense of our reality, our world, and everything else. I mean, that's amazing in itself right there, right? Well, to come back to DNA, that's also how DNA works. Except that instead of creating words and sentences and meanings, this even simpler alphabet, this, this genetic code, this, this logic, it has the capacity within it to create arms and brains and tentacles and wings and tree bark and eyes from single-celled organisms to plants and even to animals if it is alive... DNA is the code that makes it possible. Now to push this even further, when you get into how much of this genetic code humans we share with other living things, you're going to find that we have a whole lot more in common with everything that lives than you once thought we did. Or all human beings, it doesn't matter the size, color, or ethnicity, we are 99.9% all genetically the same. As humans, we are 99.8% similar to chimpanzees, but this is where it gets really fun. We are also 94% genetically similar to dogs. Look it up. I'm not lying to you on this stuff. 90% similar to cats, 80% to cows, 60% to fruit flies. But the one I really love is we share 40.1% of our genetic code with a banana. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing. Is that a good thing? <laughs> but it does put into perspective that at the basis of all life, there is this code. And this code can create this. And then you add a little bit more to it and it creates us. Now, this is the question that really blows me away. When you keep pushing, when you keep asking questions about why things are the way they are, the most interesting question to me is why is it that when you put these four proteins together, these, these non-living things, if you will, together in certain ways, that you create anything at all? Why is it there? Right? But th this creates brains and eyes and, and leaves and pearls and antenna and, and tails. I mean, how is there that kind of logic, a code, a blueprint that seems to be built into the very fabric of matter itself? Why does that exist? 
Did that just happen? Well, for me, the best way I know how to answer that question, even though I can't prove this beyond a shadow of a doubt, is there's no way this code just happened. There's no way this logic just was randomly put together over time. No, for me, this points to a brilliant logic and mind which I believe is God. Or for me, I think it's less of a stretch to believe in something like God creating something as complex as DNA, right? Go from non-living to living things just like that than to say something like DNA just happened. Could I be wrong? I could be. But man, man, I don't think so. I don't think so. Or, or I really do believe Paul got it right when, when he says this in Romans 20. Ever since the creation of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been seen and understood through the things that God has made. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You've seen a sunset. Ever since the creation of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been seen and understood through the things that God has made. So now that you got all that rolling around up there in your brain, right? What I hope you're now getting a sense of when it comes to trying to answer the question, why Jesus? Is that even though arguments like these can't be used to, to, to prove what we believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, I mean, there, there's some uncertainty that is built into faith. That's why it's faith, not fact they do offer some intriguing evidence that points at least in part to what we believe about God and his son. Or at least that's the way I see it. How cool is that, right? Oh, it gives me chill bumps every time. And the thing is, is I didn't want to bore you guys. There's way more going on here, but like you can only take so much of Nerdland. I get that. Ah, oh, but I would encourage you guys to go look and see where it is that God is speaking without saying a word. Because he's proclaiming all the time, all around us. Okay, so now that I've laid out my whys, and there's way more whys than this, but these are my main whys. I ask you guys the question, why Jesus? Why do you choose to follow? Why do you say yes every single day? And what I think you'll find, if, if you answer this question, you don't just answer it here, right, when I'm talking, but you actually sit down and begin to think about this, what you're going to find there is life and salvation and meaning and purpose and a life that truly is life. If you don't believe me, go and try it. See what happens. I think you'll be transformed forever. At least that's what's happened to me. Let us pray. Father, again, we come to you this morning, and it's my prayer for every single person in this place that they will take some time to wrestle with this question. They'll take some time to um, be real with themselves. And what I pray in the midst of them asking this important question is that you show up and begin to reveal yourself. You begin to show us why you're worthy to follow. You begin to show us your love and your grace and your mercy and your life and your brilliance. All of those things, O oh Lord. 
And may this not just be a question we ask for the next couple of weeks because it's a sermon series, but may this be one of those questions we ask every day for the rest of our lives. So Lord, we ask this all in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.